Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So we're in our second week of this new Justice series, and, and I wonder, is there a greater test of your character than seeing how you react to somebody who's been awful to you? Um, I don't think there's anything that is actually more difficult than responding well to somebody who hasn't been good to you in some way, because our gut reaction, is, it's revenge. It's like it's in our blood or something. Um, you know, I see this play out with my kids and how they respond to each other on a daily basis. They, they usually love each other really well. They play together quite peacefully, but it's like they're this, the very moment that one of them does something bad to the other one, the one who was treated bad, uh, it's like they've never hated anybody more in that moment. Uh, gloves come off, violent glares are, are thrown around. Um, anger that I, that I didn't expect could come from a child that was so sweet two minutes ago comes out. And it's crazy to watch. And that's anger that's not even aimed at an enemy. That's anger between two sisters. Think about how much quicker we actually turn on people that we don't really typically have good feelings about. You know, what about the governor uh, who, you know, they're not on my political side of the aisle and they, maybe they make decisions pu- about public safety that I don't agree with. You get angry and you talk about all these, the nastiness about these kinds of people with the people that you know are going to agree with you. But do you take the time to say a prayer for that person? Uh, a prayer for wisdom and courage even for their well-being. Or how about your boss who seems to mistreat you at every chance and who's never considered you for a promotion for years? Do you channel through your anger and your hurt and get to a place where you can actually hope for your boss's well-being instead of dreaming of their demise? You know, it's like I know just enough about how God wants me to bless people who do wrong to me. Uh, and so sometimes it's I, I, maybe I'll get cut off on the road and and I'll begin to scream out at that person. I catch myself, and, and it, it almost becomes like this really loud, angry-sounding blessing. Like, oh, come on. Lord, Lord, let that person's day not be cut down the way that they just cut me down on the road. Uh, you know, last week we started this series talking about justice. And justice is hard for us sometimes. Because being a person of justice means that we lack prejudice. It means that we give just treatment and behavior to, to other people around us, but it's difficult because it's based not on the, the way that people treat us, but it's, it's based on God himself, how he has treated us with justice. That's how we're supposed to treat other people with justice. It's not that we're supposed to give people fair treatment based on, on how they've treated us. We're, we're supposed to give them fair treatment on how Jesus has treated us. And so that changes the ballgame. If you and I are going to be people who, who really fight for justice. We have to fully understand how Jesus fights for our justice. And I think Jesus gives us a real good idea what that kind of justice looks like in Luke chapter 6. So I'm reading verses 28 through 36. And Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. Expect to be repaid, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Man, if, I've, if, if you've never thought that Jesus' teachings were hard, then you've probably never really listened to what He has to say. Because uh, this is a tough teaching. In fact, I'd say this is one of the toughest teachings in the Bible. Uh, let me go a little further. I think this teaching's impossible. Oh, Kellen, it can't be impossible, right? Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have said it if it was impossible. Well, okay, maybe, maybe so. But do you always love your enemies? Do you bless those who are rotten to you? And if you do, do you actually mean it? Or is it just like one more sarcastic thing spewing from your lips? You know, for me, you know, sometimes when people apologize to me, I'll, in my mouth will say, oh, you know, don't worry about it, it's all good. But it's like it's coded language for what I'm really thinking, which is more like, no, don't worry about it. You know, it's all, as long as you just stop breathing from here on out and never, never bother me again, it's all good. I, now, I'm sure that you're not that bad, but really, I don't think that you and I can love with the kind of justice that Jesus is telling us to love here. At least we can't do it on our own. How awesome would it be if we learned to love the way that was truly different from people who don't claim to love Jesus. We need supernatural help for this because we even stink at loving the people who are easy to love sometimes. But to love people in, in some way, who are in some way enemies to us, that really takes a supernatural kind of love. It takes a love outside of ourselves. And Jesus calls us to a humanly impossible standard of love. Here's what he calls us to. He calls us to love without conditions. And Jesus actually mentions seven aspects of what unconditional love looks like. And these, these actions, they aren't done naturally. They aren't a part of our normal human nature. Uh, and they require some supernatural help for, from God. Um, and because they require God's help, they really are righteous actions. There's something we can't do on our own. So here, here's what they are. And they come straight from this passage in Luke chapter 6. Number one, love your enemies. Number two, do good to those who hate you. Now, I want you to realize it's saying do good to those. It doesn't just say, you know, be in peace with those who hate you. Don't, don't be mean to people who hate you. It's, it's saying do good. Like actually be proactive and do good to people who hate you. Number three, bless those who curse you. Number four, pray for those who mistreat you. Number five, do not retaliate. Number six, give freely. And number seven, treat others the way that you want to be treated. Uh, these seven actions, they are beyond tough. Honestly, they sound next to impossible for me. When I'm living outside of God's spirit, when I'm in my own headspace, when I'm living according to my wants and desires, and I'm allowing my fears and insecurities and my frustrations to come to the surface, it's, as th it's at those times that these seven actions are they're pretty impossible. The Bible calls it, it's when we're living in the flesh. You know, but true righteousness, the kind that, that comes only through the power of Jesus, that true righteousness given us by the Holy Spirit, it's revealed by our love for other people, especially our love for our enemies. Now, you might be thinking, you know, Kellen, I don't, I don't have any enemies. I'm a peaceful person. Yeah, it's probably true. You know, you're a saint. You never have a bad thought about anybody. Uh, 
In the words of our executive pastor, Eric, I call bull. Now, who are your enemies? Who are those people that Jesus makes clear that you're supposed to begin to pray for simply because they've mistreated you? Huh? Think about those who think differently politically than you are. You know that you think of them like they're your enemy because you hate them most of the time, right? Some days your enemy is actually your spouse. Uh, when all those thoughts of anger overwhelm you about how they're treating you or how they're ignoring you today or, or just frustrated at you, are, are you going to let those thoughts linger or are you going to begin to pray peace and understanding over their lives and compassion over your own heart? Maybe the rule breaker is your enemy, even though they break all the same rules that you break all the time. You know, the guy driving down your street too fast and you're like, my kids are out here playing and your kids aren't even outside playing. The other day, a guy was driving down our road, and he stopped at an intersection. He was, he was yelling at somebody, kind of cursing them out. And then he, he turned uh, towards the other side of our, of our house, um, squealing his tires. And I started walking at him like I was tough. And he actually looked at me. And for a little bit there, I was a little scared because I'm like, oh, shoot. I was trying to be tough, and now he's looking at me. Um, but I had my phone in my hand like, man, I'm going to call the cops on you. I'm going to get your license plate. You know, and in that whole time, like I was just angry at this dude. And as he drove off, speeding away down the road, I, I wasn't thinking about, man, I, I should be praying for that guy's safety right now. <laughs> and everybody else, I was just mad. I was thinking about how much I couldn't stand that guy and want, wanted the cops to get him. That's how we think about our enemies. You know, it's another kind of person that may, may, you may treat like an enemy, even though that's maybe not what they are per se, but any person who doesn't know Jesus. Those are people who need justice. Those are people who don't need our prejudice. They need us. They don't need us retaliating against them. They need Jesus. And we should be praying for them to find, find ways to Jesus. Now, loving like this without conditions, it doesn't even seem right to us a lot of the time. We see a passivity in what Jesus is saying, and it doesn't feel right. You know, do good to those who hate you. Turn the other cheek when someone strikes you. Don't stop somebody from taking your, your clothes and give them even more. Like that, that just seems wrong to us. Seems like Jesus is saying, hey, you guys need to get walked on. Like how can a society even maintain itself living that way? But in truth, that's not what Jesus is actually doing. Jesus isn't telling us to be passive in the face of the evil that we come up against. He's telling us to have concern for the people who are doing the evil. There is such a big difference in those two ways of thinking. You know, being passive, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to, to roll over and just take it. But Jesus is actually saying here that we're supposed to do the opposite of that. He's calling us to be proactive. He's calling us to see the evil that's being done and then choose concern for the person that's doing it rather than taking this mentality of victimhood. In other words, if, if it's, if it's going to help the person who's doing the wrong to maybe find that they need Jesus, then be willing to suffer a little bit on their behalf. You know, don't retaliate, but instead look to how you can help alleviate that person's pain. But we don't like the idea of suffering, and we don't like it at all. So making the choice to suffer rather than retaliate, it's a choice that you're not going to make on your own most of the time. It's a choice that constantly needs to be birthed out of our relationship with Jesus, out of, our, out of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And some, might, some people call this kind of thing taking the high road. 
Uh, you never know anybody that just, they seem to take the high road all the time. I think about my wife, Crystal. Man, she's just better at taking the high road than me. Now me, I'm like, I'm a low rider. I tend to take the low road way more than I should. Uh, you know, the biggest struggle for me actually is, you're probably gonna know at some point if I dislike somebody. Because here's the thing, I struggle to even look in somebody's eyes. If I, have, if, if I have a hard time with them as people, if they've been a problem in my life. Now, people like my wife, man, they, they're able to look people in the eyes even if, if they, they maybe don't respect some of the things that they're doing. Um, she can hold a conversation with everybody and be cordial with them and be kind to them. Man, me, it, it is just tough for me to take the high road. It's tough for me to look people in the eye. It's tough for me to hold a conversation with, with people that I feel like are destructive. But who is that helping when I act like that? It's not helping that person. You know what's helping? It's helping my pride. It helps me be, feel proud that I'm not that I'm giving that person the response that their deserve their actions deserve. But you know what? It's not my decision to make. It's not my decision to, to stand in judgment over somebody about what they deserve. And truth be told, there may be people that that they are so destructive that maybe you do, you do have to part from them in life. They might be a constant threat to your well-being in some way. Um, there are times where that physical break, it is called for. But I think there's two things that you got to recognize about those times. Number one, you don't need to be mean in breaking off a relationship. Sometimes, man, sometimes we as Christians, we can just be so mean when we break off relationship. That's the last thing we're supposed to be. The second thing is this. You still might be better positioned than anyone to pray for that person. You know the depths that they've gone to. You know how destructive they've been. You know where they need God to intervene. Pray for the person. If a relationship needs to be physically distanced, it doesn't necessitate bad behavior on your, your part. It doesn't require you to be a jerk. <laughs> and once again, Jesus isn't asking you to be passive here. He's asking you to have concern for the other person, even if it's your enemy. No matter how much you've been hurt by an individual, you're called to have concern for them. You know, and that, that really leads us to this, this part of prayer that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 6. And I think his call to praying for our enemies, I think it's really the central point to his teaching here. It's actually the middle of these seven actions that he told us to take. You know, seven's kind of this important, great number that, that God uses throughout the Bible. And I don't know, but I think it seems important that of, the, of those seven he talked about here in Luke 6, the middle one is pray for your enemies. At some point, all we can do for some people actually is give them over to God in prayer. But how many people do you give up a relationship with and then simultaneously you give up any thought of ever praying for them again in, in the rest of your life? That is, that's maybe the greatest injustice of all. See, prayer is an act of love that we can that we can give to people no matter what the relationship looks like. Praying for people that we struggle with, it's, it's not just an act of justice on their behalf, it also is an act of justice on our own behalf. It grows us in grace, maybe more powerfully than anything else could. And so, a couple of things I think we need to realize uh, what are true about praying for people that we struggle with. The first thing is this, praying for an enemy puts that person's needs before your own and it dignifies that person in your heart. Uh, 
praying for somebody, man, it's going to remind you that they're in the same need for grace that God has granted to you. It's going to confirm in your heart a strong desire to see that person also gain this right standing with Jesus. You talk about justice, that's justice. I want you to listen to the prayer that Paul prays for the church of Colossae. Uh, now this church, they were not his enemies, but think about if we would pray this prayer for the people that are our enemies in life. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. He says, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving thank, joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Man, praying for your enemy like that would dignify them in your heart. Instead of the prayers that a lot of times we, we make, like, man, God, give them what they deserve. Get, get back at them like they deserve. That's not, what, that's not what this prayer is about. It's God, strengthen them with all power according to your glorious might. That's cool. Uh, that's a cool thing to be praying for people that we struggle with. Uh, another thing that I think that we can under, need to understand about what praying for somebody else can do Praying for an enemy makes you more like Jesus because he constantly intercedes to the Father on your behalf, even when you treat him like an enemy. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Praying for people is being like Jesus. Jesus prayed all the time, and it did him a lot of good, right? So let's do it too. Now, your prayers don't have to be long and elaborate for, for the people around you. Even Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Sometimes it's just a mention of somebody that, that's needed in prayer. It puts your heart in a place of love and justice towards that person. That prayer can be powerful. I want you to think about it like this. Uh, say, somebody, say somebody that you knew won an Oscar award. Now, nobody really watches the Oscars anymore, but let's say you were watching the Oscars because you knew your friend was going to maybe win the award, and they get up, and in passing, they, they mention your name as somebody that they're, that they're thankful for in helping them get to that spot. Now, would you be like, man, I can't believe they didn't talk about how, more how awesome I was. I deserved, I, I deserved way more than just a simple mention. This stinks. I'm done with that person. No way. I, probably you'd be ecstatic. Man, that person just mentioned me in front of the whole world. That, well, at least the amount of people that still watch the Oscars. <laughs> when you're taking the time to merely mention someone to God, the God of the universe, that is not a small thing. You're bringing that person's name amongst all the other names in the world. You're bringing them to God the Father, asking for grace on their behalf, asking for justice on their behalf. That's pretty cool, and it's actually pretty powerful. You don't have to have these long, elaborate prayers all the time. We pray, and it dignifies that person in our heart, and it affects our heart in a positive way towards that person, and it can bring change to their life. Um, you know, so often, though, what happens when a tragedy takes place, particularly something like a mass shooting, you know, you'll see people on social media offer prayers at a time like that. And one of the things that's become a normal response is somebody's going to get on, online and say, what good are your prayers doing anymore? Why don't you do something to keep this from happening again? You know, and sometimes I'm like, well, what are you 
doing to make it stop you know like i don't know about you but that whole i that whole mindset bothers me <laughs> it shows a complete lack of understanding what prayer is and what prayer does now do i get the sentiment yeah i do it's really easy to offer a prayer and do nothing positive for a person i get that but truly praying for somebody does something powerful it engages your heart with the person and with the issue that you're praying for uh, continually going back to God and praying for something, it is not going to leave your heart unchanged. Uh, I want you to think about this. Take a month to pray for children who are captured and sold into sex slavery. See if your heart doesn't bleed in such a way that you're more willing to do things, do something tangible to get at least one kid out of sex slavery. Take a month and pray for poor people on, on your side of town or on the other side of town. And see if you don't respond a little bit differently the next time that you're confronted with somebody in poverty. See if you're not a little bit more empathetic. Take a month to pray for unwed mothers who are trying to, so hard to raise their children on their own and do a good job. See if you don't have a little deeper compassion the next time that you're in the store and you see a mom with her kids and they're just, she's struggling with them. See if you, see if you don't have a little more compassion that, in that situation. Take a month and pray for five people that you know don't know Jesus and see if you're not willing, a little bit more willing at the end of that month to take the open door that God gives you to share Jesus with one of those people. Now, some people have gotten it all wrong. Some people think that prayer is like this heartless thing, this uncompassionate action that doesn't do anything in leading to meaningful change. But this is a misunderstanding of the power of prayer because prayer is powerful in two ways, in, in particular in two ways. Number one, prayer asks for God's all-encompassing power to work in the situation at hand. That's big, letting God get into the situation. But the second thing is this, prayer powers within us the grace and compassion for our hearts to be changed and molded to look more like God's grace and compassion. Let's be honest, some, some issues are just too big for us. I think one of the most loving things we can do for anybody is ask God to intervene in the situation. Don't ever underestimate the power of praying for the sake of someone else, for the sake of justice. Don't under underestimate what God is going to bring forth in softening your heart, but also what he's going to do in that other person's life. And so we want to challenge you, every single person at Central, to begin praying for the lost people in their lives. You know, we're doing this big homecoming weekend, September 12th, about a month away. And we're asking you to be praying for the people in your lives that you want to see Jesus get a hold of, that you want to see God turn their lives around. And we want to pray for, for people to come back to God. We want to see God move in our church in a, in a crazy big way. So maybe you're a list person. Don't be afraid to make lists. Make lists of people that, that you know that don't know Jesus and begin to pray for them. Make lists of people who you know uh, are, are in need of justice. Pray for them. Make lists of causes that you know uh, are in need of justice and pray for those causes. And in time, watch God, God start to do some awesome, awesome things. Um, there's a song that we sing. Uh, it's an older song, but called Hosanna. And it says, one of the lines in the song says, Break my heart for what breaks yours. I want that to be our prayer today. God, Break my heart for the things that breaks your heart. Break my heart for the people that your heart is broken for. Just like your heart was broken for me because, and you went to the cross for my sake, your heart's broken for others. Break my heart that same way. 
Let's pray today. Lord, I pray that uh, as we've heard from your word, heard out of Luke chapter 6, Jesus' teaching here, um, God, help us to be people whose hearts are broken for those around us, uh, that we would love our enemies well, that we would pray for our enemies, that we would uh, not hold anything back from our enemies, not just our enemies, but even the people around us who, who we love and who we respect. God, I pray that we would be people of prayer. And in the next month, the next coming months, God, we ask that you would bring people back to you in the Janesville area, in, the, in, the, in, in this entire county. Um, God, we just ask that you'd be moving in people's lives. And as we pray for others, move in our hearts. Open our hearts to be the people that you want us to be, to love people the way that you want us to love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.